I want to speak a little bit tonight for some of us who find prayer a little bit more challenging. Because what is on offer in prayer is almost unimaginable. It's, it's almost incomprehensible, but it is amazing what is on offer to us. The invitation in prayer is that we can be in communion. We can be in connection with the living God, the creator of the universe, the one who made you, who made me, is interested in the intimate details of each of our lives. And we might be here tonight and thinking, gosh, this is sort of slightly Christian 101. But we don't go beyond this. Meeting and connecting with God, being in relationship with him. He wants to spend time with us and we have access to him. We can approach him boldly and with confidence. And so our response to this whole theme of prayer shouldn't be one of guilt or intrepidation, but it should be one of gratitude and thankfulness that we can come before the living God. Simply prayer is a conversation with God. I don't know if you've ever played that game before, maybe with friends, where you imagine you're having a dinner party and you can invite three guests. Who would you invite? I think for me, my three guests would be Number one, Peter K. Good for a laugh. Good for a laugh. Number two, Neil Armstrong. I want to know what happened, what it felt like landing on the moon. And number three, I think it would be good to invite the Queen. Lots of wisdom, good leadership skills, all that we've seen over the I wonder who your three guests would be. That would be a pretty interesting conversation. Peter K, Neil Armstrong, and the Queen. But that is nothing compared really to the conversation that I can have daily, at any point of the day, wherever I am, with the living God. And what a privilege that we have as Christians to be able to come into his presence. And this isn't something that we just do in crisis moments. For those who are on the frontier of faith, Prayer is not an add-on to life. It is life. We come into connection with the one who is life, who gives us life and breath. And all who have walked closely with God throughout history, all down the ages, they have made prayer the single number one business of their lives. It permeates the lifestyle of Jesus It punctuates the lifestyle of Abraham, Moses, people in the Old Testament, King David. And it propels the lifestyle of the Apostle Paul and the early church. It was John Wesley who said that God does nothing but in answer to prayer. And the great encouragement today is that we can all grow If you're here tonight and you struggle a little bit with prayer, maybe you wrestle with prayer in all kinds of different ways, but we can learn, we can grow. And actually the disciples, they come to Jesus and they say to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us. I think that's so liberating. It's so exciting 
And if you don't feel accomplished at prayer, if you don't feel like a prayer professional tonight, you can grow. And Jesus fundamentally in this gospel gives us a really simple framework for prayer, the Lord's Prayer. So we're just going to read what he says in Matthew chapter 6, 5 to 15. Jesus says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father in heaven who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Jesus says, and when you pray. He doesn't say, if you pray, or it's a good idea to pray, or you might like to think about praying, or you should pray, or you ought to pray. He says, and when you pray. He just assumes that his followers, his disciples, are going to pray. And then he simply says in verse 9, this then is how you should pray. He's making that assumption, but he's wanting to kind of break it down for them a little bit. And he gives them this prayer, not so much as a verbatim prayer that they should just recite in a rote fashion. But actually, this prayer is to to help them facilitate relationship and connection with God. You see, in many ways, he doesn't so much give them a, a methodology, but he gives them a theology. And what I mean by that is for, for us so often, our, maybe our dilution of our prayer life or the disappointments that we experience in our prayer life, often that's because our view of God is slightly skewed. Maybe we don't pray as much as we would like to do, perhaps because we think God is a particular type of person or has a particular character. But Jesus shows us here some theology, what God is really like. And I want to just look at seven really quick characteristics of God through the Lord's Prayer. First of all, he's personal. Jesus says, when you pray, make it personal. The first two words of the Lord's Prayer are our Father, our Father in heaven. The great news is there's a person on the other side of the conversation. It's not a force that we're trying to conjure up or hype up. We're not praying to a superhero. But he's our heavenly father. He's the one who loves us. He's the one who knows us. I wonder if you 
know that tonight. Not just knowing it in your head, but knowing it in your heart. Paul in Romans, he says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. The Apostle John in 1 John, it says that we, we can know that we are children of God. And I think it's that place that propels us into prayer. He's your Father in heaven. He's my Father in heaven. He's our Father. And that means that we can come to Him, that He knows us. We can come honestly, openly, vulnerably, with authenticity. That word Father is the word Abba, which literally translated is Daddy. We can come to him as father. It's like a a small child with his dad. Dad, I'm asking for this. Dad, I just want to be with you. See, God doesn't want fake. He doesn't want religion. He doesn't want piety. And what we see here is that really that was the order of the day at that time amongst the Gentiles. They had their practices of prayer. They thought if they sort of said the right stuff and said enough words, then somehow they would get access to God. But that's not what Jesus says to us as his followers. He says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Prayer is personal. It's intimate. It's not transactional. It's not that we put something in and we get something out. It's not like the cash machine. Get my card out, put my card in, put my pin in, suddenly some cash comes out. The goal of prayer is not to get something from God, but to get more of God. I find this a a huge challenge, but each one of us is as close to God as we choose to be. I find that a huge, huge challenge. If I feel like God is far away, I have to ask myself that question, well, who moved? Like, What's going on in my life? So he wants us to connect with him, the one who made us and loves us. That's the first thing. He's personal. Secondly, he's holy. When we pray, our posture is praise. It's coming to him in worship. He's worthy of our worship. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed means holy. Holy means set apart. So if we are invited into this conversation with God, into this opportunity to connect with him, he's personal, he's close, he loves us. But it's coming in the realization that he's also holy. He's other and he's worthy of our worship. And I think when we get that view, when we get that understanding of what God is really like, his holiness, his grandeur, his might, then actually that posture of praise and worship, it changes our perspective on life. It changes our perspective on our circumstances. Somehow in that place of prayer, catching a vision for his holiness, it, we, we can see that, yes, we've got some situations down here. But actually, there's a situation going on in heaven which far outweighs it all. And we're invited to take a glimpse 
into the throne room of heaven. He's seated on the throne as the Holy One. Suddenly, our own problems don't seem quite so big anymore. So he's personal. He's holy. Thirdly, he's got a plan. As we pray, what we're doing really is we're coming to, into alignment with God's plans. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus modeled this perhaps more profoundly than anyone else. When he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, just before his death, going to the cross, he's praying and he's sweating drops of blood. He's suffering, but he prays, Father, take this cup of suffering from me. Yet not my will be done, but your will be done. See, prayer is recognizing that God has a plan and a purpose for our lives. He's got a plan and a purpose for this church. He's got a plan and a purpose for the universe. And really, we are coming through prayer into alignment with his plans. We, through prayer, are getting on his page wouldn't that be an amazing way to start our day? God, I just, I just want to do whatever you want me to do today. I just want to be in tune with your plans for my life. You see, so often, particularly in the West, we flip that around. And so often our prayer can become, God, I've, I've got some stuff going on today. I've got some meetings. I've got some people that I need to meet. I've got some plans and I've got all these kind of things. But do you, do you think you could come into my plans do you think you could get on board with what I've got going on? I mean, you, you probably don't realize, but I've got this entrepreneurial project that I've just kicked off, or I'm just really struggling with this, that, and the other. I, I need you to get in to what I'm doing. But actually, Jesus doesn't teach that. Our prayer should be, God, I, I want to be in alignment with what you're doing. Again, more than anyone, Jesus knew this, and he modeled it. In John 5, 19, he says, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing. Imagine if we started every day like that. God, what, what do you want to do today? How do you want to use me today? Who are the people that you want me to speak to today? Is there somebody that I can serve or encourage today? That kind of makes prayer a bit more fun, doesn't it? God is already at work in the world and we're just saying, God, just use me. Thanks that you're inviting me to partner and co-labor with you today. And in essence, that's what we just want to do in this week of prayer. On Zoom, individually, together, gathering for 24 hours of prayer. We just want to say, God, we just want to align ourselves with what we know is your perfect plan for us as a church going into 23 so he's personal, he's holy, he's got a plan. Fourthly, he's a provider. Give us today our daily bread. In prayer, we can tell him what we need. We can bring our requests before him. It says here, Jesus teaches us he already knows what we need before we ask him. 
whether it's small, whether it's big, whether it's a miniature request, whether it's a massive, massive miracle, God knows what we need. So we can come to him and we can ask, God, I, I, I need wisdom today. God, I need your patience and your kindness with this person today. God, I, I need some money for my bills. God, I need some healing for my ills. God, I need you just to come and be with me. Whatever it is, we can ask him. We're invited into this daily relationship. God, what is it that you want to do? This is what I need. Would you provide for me? So often it's really easy to get worried about the future, to worry about tomorrow, the needs of tomorrow. But it's heavy today if you're carrying tomorrow. And that's why this this kind of instruction in prayer is daily. It's a daily companion for us. Give us today our daily bread. So he's personal, he's holy, he's got a plan, he's our provider. Fifthly, he's forgiving. In prayer, we can know that we have an assurance. There's, There's confidence if we come to him humbly that he forgives us, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. We can connect with him as our father. This is an amazing truth. In one sense, it's all done. I don't know if you're anything like me sometimes. You sort of stuff's gone on and you come into prayer and you think, oh, I've got to confess and I've got to get everything sorted and clean before God might hear me or answer my prayers. I don't think it's really like that. Jesus on the cross said, it is finished. When we come into a relationship with him, he forgives us. He cleanses us. He does it once and for all. And yet I do wonder if we can get out of fellowship with him. So we're in relationship with him, but somehow we can get out of fellowship with him. It's a bit like the prodigal son in Luke 15, that story where the son goes far off. However far he'd gone away, he was still in relationship with the father. He was still his child. But what he'd lost was fellowship with the father. And so he decides to come back. And the father runs to him and celebrates And in prayer, that's what we're doing. We're not so much earning our forgiveness in any new way day by day. But we're just saying, God, I want to be in fellowship with you today. And it's an opportunity to come thankfully. God, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that you've forgiven me. Thank you that you've died on the cross. He's our forgiver. He's also our guide. Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. In prayer, we can learn to love, to be led by him. So many of us are wondering which way to go. God, I I don't know what to do with my life, but in prayer, we allow God to guide and lead us, to show us the right way. If we don't do that, I think we get tempted to go in all kinds of directions, to find ourselves going down all kinds of wrong paths. 
The other day, uh, Friday, I think it was, uh, Emily and I, we went to visit some friends. They live in Hammersmith, uh, just near Shepherd's Bush. We just live around the corner from here. And uh, I don't quite know why, but I think we just fancied a walk. We thought, well, let's walk. Let's walk to their house. So uh, I didn't quite know the way, so I got my phone out, went into City Mapper, put their address in, and I thought, brilliant, well, I'll hit the little man so that we can walk, and I'll follow it. And I didn't really, I, I sort of knew roughly the direction that we were heading in, but I thought, well, maybe City Mapper will take us on some shortcuts so I can follow that route and I can be uh, led that way. So I was kind of constantly looking at my phone. And Emily probably thought it was a little bit weird as we were walking. She was like, well, look, you know the way. I was like, well, there might be some shortcuts. So we were following it, we were following it. And then about two-thirds of the way through the walk, Emily was getting some blisters on her feet. And also we looked at the time and thought, we're going to be late. City Map is telling me that we're going to arrive at this time and we're supposed to arrive at this time. So I think probably what we need to do is catch a bus. So I sort of... City mapper, very good. I sort of flicked it to bus mode or whatever it is. It's not bus mode, is it? I'm such an old man when it comes to these things. I had a look to see if there were any buses coming. Sure enough, there was a bus, got on the bus. And for some reason at that point, I put my phone in my pocket and I completely disregarded city mapper. I just forgot about it. Whereas before I was focused on it, I was looking at it, I just forgot about it. After about 10 or so minutes, Emily sort of turned to me after we were chatting and she said, um, what, what stop are we supposed to get off at? I said, I don't know. I don't know. I think I just had this thought that somehow City Mapper might bleep, might get my attention, uh, but it didn't. And so when we did turn our attention back to City Mapper, we realized we'd gone far beyond the place that we should have stopped. And we were going in completely the wrong direction. So we got off the bus, got City Mapper back out, got the little man back on route. And poor Emily, she had to walk with her blisters the rest of the way. And I think she was a little bit cross with me. Um, justifiably, I would say, it was completely my fault. But the point is when we took our eyes off of the thing that was giving us direction, leading and guiding us, we ended up going completely off course. Now, God is far, far more than an app, <laughs> if you didn't know that already. But when we fix our eyes on him, he leads us. He guides us. He leads us into good things, down right paths. And prayer isn't just about saying we want this or we need to get something from God. But what it is, is it's saying, God, I, I'm giving my life to you. I'm coming you, to you today and I want to be led by you. I want you to show me on this journey day by day. Would you lead me? Would you guide me? Finally, God is powerful. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. You see, when we pray, we can have confidence. We can know that God ultimately is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. I wonder if there are things that you're asking God for in 2023 that you just think, I, I don't know, have you got, have you got this? Scott? Like, are you big enough? Are you capable enough? Do you care enough? But let's not put God in a box. Let's not limit him of his power. 
God is the one who is sovereign despite our disappointments and our discouragements. He is all powerful. He is close to each one of us. And we believe that God's on the move. He's personal. He's holy. He's got a plan. He's provider. He's forgiving. He leads us and he's powerful. And our heart really is that we would become a church who knows how to pray. That simply together we're saying, Lord, teach us to pray. May we follow you. May we connect with you. May we sense your presence individually and corporately together as a church. In Jesus' name, amen.